Welcome to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. World-class restaurants, arts, entertainment, and theaters. First skyscraper, 1890. Tallest buildings, beautiful lakefront. Stories on pioneers and industry leaders that made a difference in America. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Richie Z. Welcome to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. This is our second show here at Syndication Networks, TalkZone.com. More information on the show, you can always go to www.RichieZ.com. That is R-I-C-H-I-E, Z like in zebra, I-E.com, RichieZ.com. And there's a whole uh, website full of podcasts of each and every show that we do. There's television shows there, Richie's Tip Jar. And there's a place where you can actually donate money to the show or actually become a sponsor of our show. So um, with that, all being said, today's show we're going to start out with this week uh, being St. Patrick's Day. It's a holiday in the Irish community. And Chicago has a very large Irish community. In fact, we're going to be telling you some stuff about what the Irish did in Chicago. May your troubles be less, may your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come to your door. That's by one of the leprechauns from the Irish uh, community. I was able to get that one. You know, Irish immigrants came to Chicago. They came here because Chicago was a place where they could improve their families. Uh, way of living, the way of life. Uh, some Irish lived in Chicago when Chicago was incorporated back in 1837. You know, Chicago became Chicago in 1833, and four short years later, it became incorporated, and it became um, the city of Chicago, incorporated. And there were Irish people living in Chicago then. In fact, there is proof that Irish people did vote in that first election. Uh, in the next few years, Irish numbers grew rapidly because there were jobs here. By 1850, the percent of I- percentage of Irish population was very high because of the jobs here. You know, one thing I want to mention about Chicago and its start, its start up and and what had happened, people ask me a lot because of being a historian, how did we become what we are today? How did Chicago grow to be what it is? Well, the Irish had a big part in it. You're going to hear today in today's show because of St. Patrick's Day. But the Poles, the Hispanics, the Germans, African-American the Jewish people, Italians all came here because it was a better way of life. There were jobs, and believe it or not, folks, you could work and and you can actually support your family. So it was better than what they had where they were living. So that's why people came to Chicago, but the Irish were very, very uh, prominent in building Chicago. And you know what? In the very beginning, Irish were not afraid to work. Well, either were any of the other ethnics, but they took low-skilled jobs. They were poorly paid. 
they worked in brickyards, meatpacking industry, uh, plants, construction. The Irish settled in a neighborhood that we know as Bridgeport on the south side of Chicago. It is called Bridgeport because you had to go over a bridge or under a bridge to get to Bridgeport. That's originally how it got its name. As we do more and more shows here at Syndication uh, Networks and Talk Zone, uh, where we'll be telling you about all the ethnics in Chicago, a little bit of history. But I uh, I picked this one today because of um, the holiday and that. And we've got some really uh, fun things to talk about with uh, today's show. Settling into a neighborhood with their own kind. They wanted to live with their own kind of people. Now, you know what, folks? I want to expand on this right away before we even get started because my folks came here from Europe. They came here from Poland in 1950. They settled in an area. They were Polish. They settled in an area where a lot of Polish people, in fact, most of the people lived there, were Polish. The Irish did the same thing with Bridgeport. Uh, you know, Hispanics wanted to be with their own. I really can't stand when journalists write and talk stuff on the news about it's a melting pot, Chicago. Oh, dear. Well, it's not a melting pot. People chose to live in these neighborhoods together. It wasn't that they were forced or corralled into an area to live together. They wanted to live together. That's the charm of Chicago. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, I grew up in a neighborhood like that, so I can attest to uh, the story that we're talking about here today. We're going to jump forward to 1871. Something happened in Chicago, and still to this very day, is called the Great Chicago Fire. And it was blamed on the Irish. They actually blamed, and if I read this story properly, uh, they blamed Mrs. Catherine O'Leary. And they wrote about her as being an old, ugly drunken Irish lady, and supposedly her cow kicked over a lantern, and that's what set off the great Chicago fire. Well, I've done a lot of research throughout the year uh, on this story, and I find that Mrs. O'Leary was a young lady. She didn't drink, and she was attractive. And as far as the story with the cow and all of that, it was made up by journalists back in that era. Everything I read leads to, I I can't even believe that a journalist would do this, but it all points to a journalist making up a story like this. Can you imagine if they did that today, what would happen? Yeah, right. Um, But um, the fire did start in that neighborhood. I'm going to tell you something. From everything, all the research I've done, if it would have started in the Chinese area, they would have blamed um, the Chinese. If it would have started in the Polish area or in Little Italy or whatever. But because it started in the Irish area, we know it today as the South Loop, um, they blamed the Irish. Now, 
an interesting part of this right now. We have the Fire Academy on that site, supposedly where the Great Chicago Fire started. But let me tell you the story about the Great Chicago Fire and what really actually happened. See, our first city, when it was built, was the largest purchase in the in the short time, uh, in the short 40 years, it was the largest purchase of lumber ever in the history of the world. Everything we built here was built with lumber. Our sidewalks were built with wood. Back then, we had no cars, automobiles, trucks, or anything. The streets were actually dirt, so when it rained, it was mud. Well, the summer of 1871, if you go back and look at any records they have about the weather, was an extremely dry, hot summer. Folks, you know what happens to wood when it's extremely dry and it's extremely hot? It becomes like kindling. Well, a fire did start on the south side. And uh, the South Loop as we know it today. And it took out over 4,000 buildings. And uh, over 300 people lost their lives. Uh, just want to say one thing. Um, the Irish really weren't to blame for what had happened. Uh, probably, I hate to say this, but I want to say it in a way where I hope you understand you know, in this show, we are going to use politically correct terms. We're going to tell the story the way it was, not the way uh, you want to hear it today, being politically correct. So one of the best things that ever happened to Chicago at the time was that we had the Great Chicago Fire because we learned a lot from that disaster happening. We rebuilt a city that was built out of steel, uh, gray stone, limestone, granite, and glass. So it was more fireproof. And then the architects we had after the Great Chicago Fire were just amazing. Uh, the people that got together, uh, there's so many stories about uh, what transpired right after the Great Chicago Fire. Potter Palmer was uh, a real estate uh, mogul at the time. Had the Palmer house, that burned to the ground. But he actually went to St. Louis and borrowed $1.7 million back then, back in 1871. Came back to Chicago and started buying up property. A lot of merchants met on State Street. That was... Uh, the shopping district for Chicago. And most of the merchants said that, no, they don't care how many times. Marshall Field is one of them that said, no, he don't care how many times Chicago burns to the ground, he's rebuilding here. Some of the merchants didn't and sold their property um, at a very cheap price because they just wanted out of here. Potter Palmer actually owned over one mile of land on State Street. But here's an, another interesting part of the story. The Irish became very involved in rebuilding the city, in the construction industry, uh, the building industry, bricklaying, uh, plumbing, and all of that. 
So Irish immigrants always worked very hard. They improved their way of life for their families. They gave their children education. And that was uh, that was on the top of their list. Now, let's get into 1890. This is an amazing story in Chicago. The Chicago River used to be the same height as Lake Michigan, downtown area. Now, we were using the Chicago River as our dumping site. We dumped all our human waste and uh, and garbage and that into the Chicago River. Well, the Chicago River used to flow out into Lake Michigan. By 1890, a lot of people were getting sick with uh, dysentery and cholera and a lot of uh, diseases like that. So the city of Chicago got together with the Army Corps of Engineers back in 1890 and devised a way to reverse the flow of the Chicago River. Folks, we all think we're very smart today. I don't know about any of you out there, but I do use uh, the computer a lot. I Google. I go to the library. I'll look up books about topics we're doing stuff because I want to see what different people write about things. Well, when this was done in 1890, folks, there was no Google. There was no computer. Nobody's ever done this in the history of the world. They figured out a way to do it, and they did it. Uh, to this very day, if you go down Lakeshore Drive um, at, like, uh, Wacker Drive, you can actually see the locks from the top of Lakeshore Drive uh, where the boats have to go through to get from the Chicago River onto Lake Michigan and then come back, the same thing. It's kind of interesting because you, you pull the boat into the locked area to go out onto Lake Michigan. And they close you in there, and then they fill it with water so it brings you up to the level of Lake Michigan. And then they open the locks and let you out. The same thing coming back. Well, here's where the story goes. For the next 10 years, from 1890 to to 1900, the Irish were the ones that dug the area for the Chicago River. They actually dug out 130,000 acres of land. This labor was all done by, uh, mainly by Irish immigrants. They worked very, very hard. Uh, but you know what? You had a job here. So, you know, St. Louis got a wind of what we were doing here in Chicago because now reversing the flow of the river would actually send that water downstream. So in 1899, 98-99, St. Louis actually sued Chicago to stop this project. Well, we were almost finished. Well, right before we were going to go to court with St. Louis about this thing, Chicago opened the locks, flooded the area, reversing the flow of the Chicago River by taking out 130,000 acres of land. Um, 
it was never able to be reversed again. And we sent all that waste water downstream. You know, one thing I want to mention, though, St. Louis actually did get even with Chicago because to this very day they bottle some of that water and they actually send it back to us as Budweiser beer. Two Chefs Cafe and Catering, 3 South Center Street, Bensonville, Illinois. Call 630-766-6030. Quality food, cozy atmosphere. Let us cater your next event. Have your next party or event at Two Chefs. Weddings, birthday parties, showers, funeral luncheons. We can accommodate parties from 10 people to 150 in our elegant establishment. Call 630-766-6030. Mention Chicago History and Automotive Heaven and get 15% off. Folks, email me. Let me know what you think of our show, but also I will get you a voucher. I'll email you back a voucher to get 15% off a meal at Two Chefs Cafe and Catering. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Z, your host of Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. I'd like to thank my sponsors. In fact, uh, Two Chefs Cafe and Catering in Bensonville, 3 South Center Street in Bensonville, actually supplied us with lunch today. So uh, we can't wait to get off the air and have some uh, wonderful food by Two Chefs. Uh, please patronize our sponsors because without them, we will not be on the air. But you can also donate to the show. Go to RichieZ.com, R-I-C-H-I-E, Z like in zebra, I-E dot com, and there's all kinds of information on it, how you can become part of the show and help us out, but also uh, give us some suggestions. Let's get back into St. Patrick's Day in Chicago, Illinois, and the wonderful Irish people. You know, every year since about the 50s, we dye the Chicago River green. It's a beautiful Kelly green, and it stays green uh, because it's done in March. We don't open and close the locks a lot at that time of the year. This year, I don't know. Uh, we got a lot of ice out there, so I don't know if we're going to be green this year or not. But uh, I'll tell you what they use because it's it's come up in a lot of my tours. What do they put in there? Are they hurting the uh, um, environment and this and that? Uh, since the very beginning, they put in a food coloring, and I found out a number of years ago, they actually used something a lot more powerful then, but it's on the same concept as Gatorade. So if you ever had powdered Gatorade and you get it on your fingers and it's wet, it kind of turns your hands orange. Well, the combination of the mucky water we have and this orange uh uh, stuff that they use, like a Gatorade, it actually turns uh, the Chicago River a beautiful Kelly Green for St. Patrick's Day and sometimes even for a few weeks afterwards. You know, one thing has come to my attention, though, throughout the years and uh, doing tours downtown, being downtown and seeing that river. I have called the city a number of times when, you know, nobody will get back to you. Uh, but I called them because I want to know why, if we can dye the river green, 
for St. Patrick's Day. Why can't we dye it blue for the rest of the year and make it look really pretty like Lake Michigan? So uh, it's kind of a cool thing. Um, wonderful celebration in downtown Chicago. The Irish were overwhelmingly Catholic. Old St. Patrick's Cathedral was built in Chicago. Local parishes were very important in the lives of Irish Chicagoans. It met their spiritual needs, but it also served a significant function with schools attached to most of the parishes involving instruction in Catholic faith and education for their children, their families. This was very important. Also, the church became a meeting place for the Irish people in their community. You know, um, this all got started many, many years ago, really in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. You know, um, the patronage thing started with the Irish back that far back. There were a group of people that worked together, and the church served as a place where they could um, meet, discuss things, and uh, begin uh, making a better life in Chicago for their families. You know, the Irish from the very beginning uh, dominated some of the jobs in Chicago, police officers, firefighters, the construction industry, and then politics. Boy, if you lived in Chicago as many years as I have, uh, you know there's always Irish names on the ballot, and you don't have to be from Bridgeport either. Um, they're from the south side, even the north side, and stuff like that. And to this very day, we have uh, Irish politicians in, in uh, Chicago and Illinois. Irish occupied the mayor's office during the period from 1871 to 1933. Some of the Irish mayors of the Democratic Party during this period were uh, John Hopkins, Edward Dunn, William Dewey, Edward Kelly back in 1933 to 47, Martin Kennelly, um, Boy, I remember this, uh, I was very, very young, but Martin Connelly was mayor from 1947 to 1955. I remember this more, folks, because uh, of the history of it. I lived in the era uh, of Richard J. Daly, uh, and he served as mayor from 1955 through 1976. Now... Out of all of these mayors, they all had a uh, a part in building Chicago. But uh, I think one of the most interesting parts of building Chicago, most interesting time of being around for a politician for a city, was this era with the first mayor daily, Richard J. Daly, from 1955 to 1976. Uh, I remember, well, he's, he did receive a lot of credit for things that were already in progress when he took office. But you know what? 
you have to give him some credit because he did finish some of the uh, plans and ideas and stuff that were on the board or near completion. Sometimes people walk in, especially today, and if it was something to do with the prior administration, they just put the kibosh on the whole thing, and uh, it's not very good for the city. A couple of the things that uh, were going on at that time, the Skyway was being built, but Canelli did actually start that. And then um, the biggest achievement, I think, uh, and it was on the books before uh, Mayor Daley came in, was O'Hare Airport. Now, that was out in uh, the far northwest area of Chicago, but they ended up buying up an orchard field. It was an apple orchard uh, originally, and that's where we have O'Hare Airport today. And from the very beginning, from the 1800s, if you do the research, if you do the math, if you see what goes on, we are a central location in the United States. So that's one of the reasons we prospered. And then we've always had people here that wanted to work. You know, in the early days, uh, people were moving into this area, but also all around Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan, and all of that. So it all prospered, but O'Hare to this very day and is one of the busiest airports in the world. Um, sometimes they say something like, well, there's more flights out of O'Hare, but there's more people being moved out of Atlanta or this or that. Well, when you do the math, you'll choose Chicago because flying in and out of the Midwest is the focal point where everybody wants to do business. Uh, some companies actually left Illinois and came back, but because of places like O'Hare. Mayor Daly also sat over um, some of the skyscrapers that went up. Now, I've done tours downtown Chicago, and it's it's amazing. People laugh when I tell them that building right over there across the street from Millennium Park was actually the tallest building in the world back in the 50s. And that was the Prudential Building. I remember as a little kid going up there and going to the observation deck. Boy, we thought we were on top of the world. Today it looks like a dwarf in downtown Chicago. But Mayor Daley was the first one that uh, uh, had the nerve, had the uh, uh, gusto to get involved in and building this city up. We were the first ones after the Depression of 1929 and the 30s and 40s to start building again. Chicago was. Nobody else really was doing that. And, um, you know, the architecture downtown, the Prudential Building's pretty, but, uh, you know, I want to run down some of the buildings in downtown Chicago, because Chicago has such a rich history. And the Irish were part of building these buildings in downtown Chicago. We'll tell you about the tallest buildings in Chicago that the Irish had a lot to do with after this break. Dr. James Izzo, DDS, Miles of Smiles Dental Work. General Dentistry, call 708-983-2000. 
3670. We're located at 7234 West North Avenue. That's Cameo Towers in Elmwood Park, Illinois. Call our office and mention Chicago History and Automotive Heaven and get a special on teeth bleaching, teeth whitening, folks. Normally it goes for $199. Mention our show and you get it for $89. Call 708-983-3670. Folks, also you can go to our website and all of our sponsors are listed. Please patronize our sponsors because without them, we will not be on the air. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Z. Welcome to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. For more information on the show, you can go to my podcast site at uh, www.richiezie.com. Every show will be actually rebroadcast in podcast, so you can go there 24-7 and tune in. Uh, support our sponsors, because without them, we will not have a show. Let's get back into the... Uh, Irish people in Chicago and um, some of the tallest buildings in the world. Uh, in fact, uh, I was telling you earlier about the Prudential Building back in 1955. That was completed. But that's a dwarf compared to what uh, transpired basically under the first Mayor Daley, uh, Richard J. Daley. The third tallest building in Chicago... Uh, or, well, let's go to fourth tallest building in Chicago, was actually built in 1969. A building is actually 1,127 feet tall with 100 floors in it. It's known as the John Hancock Building. It's down our magnificent mile. Interesting about that building was completed in 1969. If you ever go by there, take a look, take a close look at the architectural design of the building, and you'll see X's all the way up the building on all four sides. Well, the X's were put in there. The exterior of the building is actually the structural integrity of the building, but the X's were put in there because of the structural integrity. But also, the architect came up with the idea, because if you've ever heard anybody say, put your John Hancock here on the contract, put your X here, that's exactly why they put it in. So um, the third, now that building was the tallest building in the world, and I remember that in 1969 when it was built. The third tallest building in Chicago uh, was completed in 1973. Now, it was originally called the Standard Oil Building. But when British Petroleum actually bought out uh, Standard Oil, they moved their headquarters to uh, England, and the building went up for sale. It was not up for sale long at all. Um, in fact, it was a contract was written on the building immediately, and um, Consolidated Insurance Company and the Ryan Group actually bought the building. They joined forces, and they actually are called Aon now, and it's called the Aon Center. It's one of the largest uh, insurers in downtown Chicago. 
The building stands at 1136 feet. It has 38 floors in it. And it never was really empty. British Petroleum moved out and they claim within a few days, uh, Aon was moving in. So, um, that was all done under the first mayor daily. So you can just imagine all the other construction that went on in downtown Chicago. Well, our second tallest building jumps up to, uh, the year 2009. And it's actually, uh, called Trump Hotel and Tower. It's actually 1,389 feet tall with 96 floor in it. But our number one building in Chicago, and uh, as of today, we are still the tallest building in the Northern Hemisphere. But I've done a lot of research on this because today they're building buildings all over the world that aren't even used uh, halfway up. They're just building structure, but they couldn't even uh, put people in there and wait in their furniture and everything else, and they're calling them the biggest buildings, or um, they're putting, uh, you know, I want to call them shish kebab uh, uh, antennas on or skewers, whatever you want to call them, on a building, and they're claiming it's the tallest. Well, you know what? I'm in, I'm from Chicago, and I got a problem with that. You know, because we have the tallest building that is in full use, and that is the number one building, the tallest building in the Northern Hemisphere. Originally was named the Sears Tower. Uh, today we know it as the Willis Tower. Another interesting point, now this building was completed in 1974. But another interesting point, as Sears moved on and relocated out to Hoffman Estates, Illinois, out in the suburban area, they downsized, uh, the Sears Tower came available. But to get the naming rights, you know, people want the naming rights today, and they always have. It's not something that's new. This has been going on forever. Uh, but to get the naming rights, uh, the Willis Insurance Company actually had to rent in excess of 58% of the building to be able to rename it the Willis Tower. Now, that building is 1,451 feet tall. It has 108 stories. And I'll tell you, if you want a great view, a panoramic view of not only the city, but Indiana, the lakefront, um, Lake Michigan, and the suburban area, go up to the observation deck at the Willis Tower on the 103rd floor. Uh, that that building is something else. Uh, but these are the tallest buildings in Chicago. Uh, the first mayor, Daly, had a lot to do uh, with these buildings. Now, we're talking about the Irish mayors, so let's get into... Uh, Taking this a little further, and I'll tell you a little bit about, I usually don't do politics, and I'm not doing really politics right now, but um, the next Irish mayor, after the first uh, Mayor Daly, Richard J. Daly, was Jane Byrne. Well, Michael Belandic kind of took over after Mayor Daly passed away in 1976, but um, he won his first election. 
This is an interesting part of Chicago history, though. Jane Byrne and Michael Belandic were actually dating, uh, and they were pretty tight together. Well, when he became mayor, uh, they had a fight and they broke up. Jane Byrne worked for the city of Chicago, and uh, Michael Belandic actually uh, married a lady named Heather, I remember, and Jane Byrne was, uh, wasn't happy about it, let's just say that. Well, I think because she was unhappy, she ran for mayor. And who would ever think that she even stood a chance against the Democratic Party, uh, let alone Michael Belandic that was already in office for a number of years. But she won because of the snow in 78-79 season. And she became another Irish um, mayor in the city of Chicago. Now, she served from 79 to 1983. Some of you uh, know about the uh, Taste of Chicago that we have at Grant Park every year. Well, Michael Belandic first started like a, a party, but it really wasn't much of anything. It was like a little thing in a park. But when Jane Byrne took office in 1979, she had uh, Taste of Chicago at Navy Pier. Nothing was done on the pier. The pier was a disaster. But everything was done in that horseshoe up in the front over there. I remember going down to that taste of Chicago because at the time country western music was very big and Willie Nelson came to perform there. But then we had a little bit of a lull from 1983 through 1989. Our first African-American mayor, which was uh, Harold Washington, but he passed away in office. And then uh, we ended up getting the uh, son of Richard J. Daly, Richard M. Daly, as mayor from 89 to 2012. Magic Video and Television Productions. Complete wedding package includes church ceremony, reception, cake cutting, toast, first dance, and much more. Anniversary, retirement parties, banquets, reunions, any special event. Quality work with digital cameras dedicated to make your event special and memorable. Call 312-450-2750. We capture those treasured moments forever. Welcome back. This is Richie Z at uh, Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. Uh, so I, I think I gave you a pretty good detailed touch on um, the Irish in Chicago. You know, and I've, I'm going to be saying this a lot in the show as we're doing stuff here and that. Uh, we're looking for support, but if you are um, into history, if you have some stories about Chicago, interesting stories about Chicago history, please contact me. My email address is r-a-u-t-o-m-d at gmail.com, r-a-u-t-o-m-d at gmail.com. I'll even give out my phone number today, uh, 312-450-2750. 
so you can give me a call and maybe get involved in the show. We've been doing for a number of years, the last five years or so, we've been doing a segment called If You Have an Automotive Glitch, Don't Bitch, Email Rich. So that email address again is rautomd at gmail.com. Throughout the years, if people give me good suggestions or if you come up with uh, a good question for um, the uh, automotive glitch, uh, we have a prize closet. We're going to be working on tickets to major events, maybe concerts and plays and uh, hopefully baseball games and stuff like that. So we're going to have some fun this year uh, with everything we do. So take advantage of the... Uh, uh, things that we actually do. When you go to my uh, podcast site, every one of these shows will definitely be podcast. That's at www.richiezie.com. You'll be able to find Richie's Tip Jar. If you like the tips we give on the show, you'll be able to see a lot of them there. And we're working on putting more and more stories on the site. Uh, that people enjoy. I did the story about Riverview Amusement Park, but I think I'm going to do that in audio uh, when the weather gets a little better, when the spring comes. Become a sponsor of Chicago History or Automotive Heaven, or even just donate to the show. You know, we're like PBS. Uh, we're going to ask for your contributions to the show to keep us on the air. Uh, we're at Syndication Networks. That's where we're at right now, doing a live show. And uh, it's called TalkZone.com, T-A-L-K-Z-O-N-E.com. So you could tune in every Friday at 11 a.m., and then we have a rebroadcast of the show at 11 p.m. also. We're going to be doing something called also, uh, came up with a new uh, segment for the show, and every week we're going to do Rules of the Road of 2014. Now, this one's really dear to my heart. Uh, why is it that when you see red lights or any kind of lights flashing on the highway, you just keep going or you keep going faster and you run into the emergency vehicles, be it the tow truck or uh, usually the state troopers that are out there trying to help motorists and all of that. Lights flashing on the highway, be it amber, blue, red, whatever color they are, it's a signal. Number one, slow down. Number two, move over. If the lights are on the left-hand side, move over to the right. And vice versa, if they're on the right-hand side, move over to the left. But slow down. Proceed with caution. You know, it just seems like lately, every time we turn around, more and more people that are out there trying to help you are, are being hit. Um, you know, uh, state troopers in the last year, I think, uh, I think there's been about a half a dozen accidents. I remember a very young trooper died about a year ago. Uh, they crushed his, his, uh, squad car completely it was accordion to half the size it was the crown victoria was half the size it was and he was in on the shoulder with his lights flashing and everything and just a few months ago um an emergency worker out there he's from my neighborhood i live in uh, 
the downtown area, and he lived very close to us, uh, was out there trying to help a, a motorist that broke down on the highway, and a state trooper was there. He had his vehicle there. The emergency vehicle was there, and a trucker ran into them, killing the uh, emergency worker. And this was, I believe, about a month and a half ago. Well, the state trooper, I talked to some people I know with the Illinois State Police, the state trooper is still in the hospital, still in intensive care. They have him in an induced coma. So they have no idea what's going to happen. They're trying to take him off of that slowly. Um, but it, it doesn't sound well at all. So please... Slow down. You see lights flashing and that. Move over. Slow down. You know, I think we've gotten to the point now where you see it every day. You know, we, we did on the last show, we did about texting. You know, and I was kidding around about making the red lights longer by 15 or 20 seconds so people could finish texting. But you see that everywhere. I ride a motorcycle and it's scary sometimes. You know, but I, I, I'm beginning to believe that these people think that they're special. They can do that. They're special. They're better than you. They're more important than you. They can do anything they want. Folks, let's get back to being, having some common courtesy, some common sense where we don't, uh, drive that way. Uh, safer roads are safer for not only you, me, but also your family, your kids, uh, your mother, your father, you know. So, uh, let's, let's work on trying to make it a better place. All right. We're going to get into some more tips. Um, we're out of Richie's tip jar. Uh, I'm going to give you a tip because of this last, this weather we've been having this year. Uh, it's going to be a tip about clothes and that, uh, shoes. And boots have taken an extreme beating this year with the 80 inches of snow that we did get, snow and ice and rain and everything else. Now, this blows everybody away. Bring your shoes or your boots indoors. Let them dry out completely. You want to remove the salt stains or the uh, uh, the water stains that are on the leather boots or shoes. Take Lemon Pledge Furniture, or just regular Pledge Furniture Polish, or WD-40. Spray the stain. You might even have to spray it a couple of times, and the stain will actually go away. Now, before you go out in this weather with the snow and ice and the rain and all, uh, if you spray your boots with their shoes with Pledge Furniture Polish, it'll prevent them, it'll They'll become water-resistant and salt-resistant, and it'll prevent you from getting your feet wet and all of that. So I've been using this for many, many a year. Another trick I want to talk about is uh, when it comes to salt stains and uh, your automobiles. You know, some of you are able to uh, buy the WeatherTech floor mats. Uh, they're wonderful. Made in America, Romeoville, Illinois. Uh, the owner of the company, uh, John McNeil, actually uh, was approached to outsource the whole company, but he said no. 
and he builds them here. So if you have WeatherTech, you know what I'm talking about. You lift them out, you 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 hose them off, and uh, you're running again. But if you don't have WeatherTech, you know this year has been brutal with snow, ice, and salt, and all of that. If you take a newspaper uh, once a week and put it on each side of your floor, especially with this snow, ice, and everything else, you'll prevent your rugs and that from getting all messed up. One thing I want to talk about, too, another great tip. It's never too early. It's never too late to check your fluids. But definitely, this winter has been brutal. We're extremely cold. Can you imagine your engine goes to 220, 240 degrees? You shut it off. Within 10 minutes, it's down to zero. Uh, that engine has taken a, a very large abuse. So uh, it's time to change the oil and filter. Even if you don't have the miles they suggest, the abuse from this weather and the temperature changing uh, definitely tells me uh, you want to go in there. Once you're under the hood of the car, definitely check all the fluids. A uh, lot of the vehicles out there today, people never change the, the power steering fluid or the brake fluid. They need to be changed. Ford, Fords especially will actually start to do like a crying noise. If you change your fluid, you'll actually pro- stop the crying and have everything operating properly. Seafoam makes a uh, additive for transmission tune-up, but it also is very good for the uh, uh, power steering units in vehicles. Now, a lot of people throughout this winter have been complaining about heat in their automobile. Uh, the first thing I want you to check is the level of your antifreeze. Even if you are a quart or, or maybe even a half a gallon low on antifreeze, you will not get proper heat. It won't heat as hot as it would if the, if the uh, system was operating to full capacity. Another thing, this is huge because people buy antifreeze and just pour it in. You need a system that runs on 50-50, 50% water, 50% uh, antifreeze. If you do that, you'll get maximum heat out of your vehicle and your vehicle will actually uh, uh, run a lot cooler in the summertime, a lot warmer for your interior in the wintertime. So definitely, if you don't even know what's in there, if you're low, don't just grab the antifreeze and pour it in. Uh, get an empty, I'm sure everybody's got an empty washer bottle. Uh, we've all gone through a, a probably a few gallons of uh, windshield washer antifreeze this year. Uh, pour in half a uh, bottle of antifreeze and half a bottle of water, and you'll have the right mixture. And if you can't do that, you know what? The parts stores now do sell a 50-50 mixture, so you can buy what you need exactly and be safe uh, with your cooling system. We're getting into the summer where it's going to be extremely hot again. Uh, if your antifreeze is, like I say, too potent, too much antifreeze, you're not uh, you're not running right. You'll probably be running a lot uh, uh, hotter because the fluid won't be uh, penetrate won't be circulating the way it should be. Uh, 
So definitely check that out. Transmissions after this winter, uh, if you have uh, a newer vehicle, if you have around 20,000 miles, I do suggest taking it in and getting the uh, transmission completely flushed out, the filter changed, and uh, a new uh, fluid put in. There's around 12 to 16 quarts of fluid in the average automobile transmission. Uh, you have to take it to a place where they have the machine where they can actually flush it completely out. A lot of these new uh repair shops actually have uh, places where they actually recycle your antifreeze, they clean it, they put the, the chemicals that are needed back into it, and then uh, they cycle it back into your vehicle so they don't uh, hurt the environment by throwing that back out. You know, as usual, folks, we are going to be running out of time here shortly, um, let me just uh, give you a little shot at our mission statement here. Uh, Chicago History and Automotive Heaven uh, shows will introduce a personal and professional message for you and around your business, product, or service. Go to RichieZ.com, R-I-C-H-I-E-Z-I-E.com. Chicago History and Automotive Heaven will introduce a personal and professional message for and around your business, product, or service at RichieZ.com, www.richiezie.com. You could be confident that the right message will be delivered to potential customers in need of your company's goods. This will increase your sales. So get an edge over the same old competition. Join a winning team because the buck starts with us. You can be confident that no one works harder for you than we do. We understand the direct impact needed to get your business the sales you need. Advertise with us and increase your sales. Call Richie Z at 312 312- Four five zero twenty seven fifty. I'm Richie Z for Chicago History and Automotive Heaven. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week, folks.